once again to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Making cross-cultural connections means entering environments where we are the minority, where we are the stranger. How would you want to be treated in that situation? How do you treat the strangers in your own environment? Area Pastor Brian White continues the series, Greater Love, with this message entitled, Welcoming the Stranger, which covers Leviticus chapter 19, verses 33 to 34. For more information and to watch or hear other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. Thank you for joining us today. I also hope that you were as, as moved and as encouraged as I was last week from Randy's sermon. Uh, the power that he shared with, the humility, the vulnerability. If you missed that sermon, this is one of those, we don't do this often, but uh, we podcast all of our sermons. This is one of those that I would say, you, you really need to go back. This is a must to go back and listen to or watch. You can go to our website and watch it. You can go to the app. If you have the Perimeter app on your phone, go to iTunes, it's on there as well. But uh, it's one that you'll want to make sure that you listen to because it was so significant, perhaps even a watershed moment in the life of our church. If you haven't been with us, let me, let me bring you up to speed of where, you, where we've been essentially from the beginning of the new year. Uh, back on January 14th, we started this new series called Greater Love. And the first couple of weeks were just primarily introductory, but still powerful as we talked about what does it look like to love in a greater way? And what does it mean to embrace that That each of us, me, you, all of us are the worst of sinners. And when we understand that I am the worst of sinners, then I am in a place to where I can move towards others with a greater love. Then we spent three weeks talking about what we call true religion. And this was focused on, three weeks of focused on what does it look like to love the poor with a greater love. And then these last two weeks, Randy has led us so well and so powerfully as we move into this season of this series, these four weeks that we've we've been two weeks, we're about to do two more today and next week, as we think about one family, what does it look like to love our neighbors from all different cultural backgrounds and ethnicities and experiences? I'm going to bring Brian up in just a second. Brian, we're in for an incredible treat today. Brian's been on our staff for nine years, serving as one of our shepherding pastors and Uh, has had a tremendous influence here, but you'll hear his story today. He's going to be sharing just from his heart of the journey that God has had him on and tying it to scripture. I listened to him last night and he was scripture after scripture after scripture as he is weaving that into his story and it was absolutely beautiful. And then next week, I'll lead us this final week in the one family segment where we think about uh, what does it look like to guard the dignity of of our brothers and sisters. And so you can kind of think of this week and what Brian will share is part one. What I'll share next week is part two because they really flow together is, is what, uh, with what Brian shares this week. So Brian, if you will, come on up. I want to pray for you, brother. And after we pray, after I pray for Brian here, um, when I say amen, the lights will dim again and there'll be a, a video that kind of sets things up for where Brian's leading us this morning. But let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this brother in Christ. I thank you for his leadership here, his impact here at Perimeter these last nine years. Lord, I thank you for his impact in my life. One of the greatest treats for me of being here these last two and a half years has been to learn from this man and to watch him, to see you in him. 
And so, Father, I'm so grateful that you have led us to this morning to where we get to hear from him, to hear his heart, and to see into the beauty and the power of Jesus in him. Would you fill him and empower him, anoint him now, Lord, to speak your words. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm Brian White, born and raised in Houston, Texas, in a little city called Studywood, the northern part of Houston. Grew up in an environment of segregation, racism. I lived white and colored restrooms. I lived white and colored water fountains. When I was a kid, I was about maybe six years old. And then we used to ride the bus downtown. You know, and the bus was crowded. And once I got on the bus, I couldn't move. I was standing right there by the bus driver. And so the bus driver said, boy, you need to go to the back of the bus. And, but I couldn't move, it was people everywhere. And people started pushing and elbowing me. And by the time they got to pushing me and elbowing me, I was finally in the back of the bus. And I was six years old at the time. And I remember that to this day. And so needless to say, growing up, I kind of developed a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. My name is Chip Sweeney, and I grew up in a small town in the Midwest called Peoria, Illinois. For us, it felt like it was all about success and status. I didn't feel like I had uh, a negative attitude towards a person because of their skin color. I think more of the pride and ego and attitude for me came just because I wanted to be seen as um, first, as top, and honestly, as better than others. United with a church in Norcross called Hopewell Missionary Baptist Church, served as a pastor for 13 years. So a bunch of concerned clergy began to meet. And at this meeting, uh, a church called Perimeter Church, Hopewell Baptist and a couple of other pastors were there. And we began to dialogue about the things that we were doing in the community. And the question was raised, well, what would it look like if we were to do these things together? And that conversation ended up birthing what's now called Unite. Chip and I were kind of working side by side on this. And I saw Chip as a, as a, as a brother that we shared the same passion. We had the same heart about the community. And, you know, I could easily work with this guy. And that was as far as it went for me. But as we, as we continued to work, as we continued to pray together, it went a little further. All of a sudden, I'm saying, you know what? I think Chip Sweeney is my friend. As we continued to serve together, we became very close. He became my best friend. And I can honestly say I love this brother. Because of our friendship, um, I'm a better, I'm a better person. Um, I'm a better, uh, a stronger follower. I have a better understanding of the full and holistic gospel um, because I've begun to live um, some of the things that you've lived. And we were speaking with a group of pastors and leaders just a week or two ago, and I said to them that uh, I was sorry because. I didn't know. 
And I say that as a white man, I don't know what I don't know. In other words, I don't know what it's like to grow up as a young black man or a young Hispanic man or a young Asian man. I don't know that because uh, that's not my context and I should have known. And if I'd been in deeper friendships and relationships um, that I could have known. The bottom line is love. You must love one another. I don't know anything else to, to say other than the fact that you have to love one another. I personally have been reconciled as a result of the 13 years that I spent with this guy right here, with his family, working together, praying together, doing life together, and loving each other together. I've been reconciled, mm -hmm. and it can happen. It can happen for you. Here's what you have to know, that Chip and I are twin brothers. Of another color. From a different mother. But the same, same heavenly father. <laughs> Just in case you might be wondering what greater love looked like, that was it. What you just watched was a couple of guys with nothing in common but a willingness to come together to serve our communities. Two guys willing to get to know each other committed to relationship, honesty, humility, and transparency. And because we were willing to move beyond our differences over a period of time, our lives have been forever changed. Thank God for change. This morning, you won't hear a four-point expository message from me in this Greater Love series. What I will attempt to do is relive my journey here with you, which I hope from a practical standpoint will demonstrate that with trust in God and a willingness to embrace change, greater love can not only be a sermon series, but rather a God-honoring experience that will move us towards genuine relationship with others that are different from us. To accomplish this, I will share from a prepared manuscript as opposed to an outline presentation. This is necessary for me this morning because my heart is being exposed and past pain will be shared. Not sure that I could preach that. So bear with me, we'll get there. There is a word that is occupying everyone's mind as we navigate our way through this Greater Love series. That word is change. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, change does not roll in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through continuous struggle. It has also been said that change is the only constant in life and truth is the only constant necessary for change. Change can manifest itself in many, many ways. Uh, you remember the first miracle of Jesus at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, where he changed the water into wine. Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus at the time, had his Damascus Road experience. His life was forever changed. 
And in his letter to the church at Corinth, he said, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are made new. David, a man after God's own heart, cried out to God and said, renew a right spirit in me. And it was Paul that said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, be changed by the renewing of your mind, that you will prove what is good and perfect and acceptable will of God. Now here's the change that's challenging us. Jesus said, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. Love is found 551 times in scripture. And I'm in agreement with Dr. King who said, I've decided to stick with love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. So on this journey, expect finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. Again, my name is Brian White, and most of you don't know me. I've been on staff nine years, eight months, and four days. That's a total of 3,533 days, but who's counting? Sometimes it feels like I just arrived. I'm a pastor on staff serving in the pastoral care department. I'm also, along with Randy Schlichting, parish pastor for Norcross, Peachtree Corners, Dunwoody, Sandy Springs, and North Atlanta, Brookhaven. I've served in ministry nearly 30 years, 20 years of confidence and sure footing, four years of uncertainty, and six years of conformity. That was, however, 20 years of comfort in a homogeneous environment of people that looked like me. In a church culture that believed what I believed and communicated the way I communicated, that worshiped the way I worshiped. A people that believed in me, a people that I loved and that loved me back. A place of trust, comfort, and family. And then suddenly, there were the four years of uncertainty. I'm now in a brand new environment. Understand, people of God, when you've lived a life identified and labeled by the term minority, there is a certain stigma and mindset that follows that label. Nevertheless, I understand that my identity is in Christ Jesus and that God is no respecter of persons, and that out of one blood he made all nations, and that there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. For me, being called into this vineyard was very intimidating. It was culturally very different, and more often than not, very lonely. Initially, I rejected the opportunity to serve as pastor here and came on staff as a resident church planter. 
At the time, there was excitement for me because it was time for me to plant the church that God had given me. Greater Love Christian Ministries was about to be birthed. Did you hear that? Greater Love Christian Ministries was about to be birthed. However, it took me nine months to come to grips with the fact that it was here that this amazing and wonderful white church was where I was supposed to be. Out of obedience to the call, by faith, I began the journey as I was assigned to the pastoral care department with a great group of pastor shepherds, Randy Slichting, Bob Carter, Carl Wilhelm, Herschel Hatcher, Kipper Tab, Drew Warner, and Jerry Shriver. Here I was able to find purpose, trust, camaraderie, love, acceptance, and a team committed to the care and well-being of the flock. But for me, that wasn't enough, wasn't even close. I needed you. It was from you that I needed relationship. I needed friendship. I needed community. I needed acceptance. I needed your trust. All those things that I needed, all those things that I deemed necessary to serve this body of believers would necessitate a trust that I had not earned. Hence, I had to employ John 15 and 13. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. He who hath friends must first show himself friendly. So I had to lay down past injustices, hurts, and disappointments. I had to lay down ethnic and cultural differences while maintaining my own identity. I had to lay down toleration and open my heart to true reconciliation. With uh, rejection being a possibility, I still had to employ a new commandment that Jesus gave us, that we should love one another. So here's where I've landed with all this, and maybe we can consider this together. Don't let the past determine the condition of your heart. Last week at the Saturday evening service, Randy brought me up to introduce me and to ask me a couple of questions, somewhat of an interview. One was, growing up in the South, how did I cope with the racism and how did I escape? And I explained briefly that for me it was through athletics, through sports. There was so much pain and hurt and anger that I had to release it somewhere and it wouldn't have served me well if I released it where I wanted to. And so I released it on the football field and that was my way and it, it worked well for me. He asked me about my experiences as a child growing up, if I remembered anything that was pretty painful. The one thing that immediately came to my mind was my grandfather. I loved him dearly, spent a lot of time with him. Everywhere he went, I wanted to go. I had anointed myself as 
the favorite grandson. <laughs> I remember this one particular time. I don't remember the facts, but I know we were together. And this young, maybe 19, 20-year-old white boy said something to my grandfather. And he said, boy, don't you know better than that? My grandfather is almost 80 years old. This kid was about 18 years old. My grandfather's response was, yes, sir, and I'm sorry. For me, that was, I didn't understand that. I didn't know what that meant for him to be able to say that. And it drove a stake in my heart that probably remained for a long time. But I remember when I shared that story, at that moment, Randy looked me in the face and said he was sorry for the pain and hurt I experienced as a young boy growing up. And he asked for forgiveness. He turned to the congregation and told them if they felt there was anyone they needed to tell that they were sorry, they should consider doing it. I had no idea that after nearly 50 years, an incident that caused me so much hurt and pain could still be lingering in my heart and could be rectified with a simple heartfelt, I'm sorry and would you forgive me? And to seal it, I received a big Alabama hug. <laughs> God in his infinite wisdom knew I had to be free to be me in this inner culture that I was destined to be in or to be a part of, a culture that hadn't been too kind to me in the past. Jesus didn't give up on who he was to reach others. He didn't let go of his Jewishness to affect his godliness. Ethnicity and culture should not, and I repeat, should not get in the way of Christian commitment and love for one another. Don't deny it, but don't let it interfere with God's calling on your life. For the purpose of this sermonic journey, I want to call your attention to the third book of Moses, Leviticus, the 19th chapter, verses 33 and 34. I'll be reading from the ESV version. When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you should not do him wrong. You should treat that stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord, your God. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we are never out of order by declaring that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you are sovereign, and that you are loving. You loved us so much that while we were yet in our sins, you sent your son to die. Not for one particular people group, but for us all. 
and we thank you for this opportunity to love even those that are different from us. We thank you for the anointing that destroys every yoke and makes sharing and loving easier. Now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord. You are my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Please allow me for a few brief moments to challenge your hearts. A challenge that will encourage not only this Christian fellowship, but the body of Christ universal to embrace Psalms 133 and 1, a very familiar passage of scripture. It says, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity with a desired end for us to move purposely toward the place of oneness in the Lord Jesus Christ. In our text, God had spoken to Moses, who is now speaking to the Israelites, about their walk, their worship, and service of the redeemed people of God. He said, if a stranger sojourns with you in your land, if you see different ethnic groups starting to come into your church or into your communities or subdivisions, the Bible tells us not to vex them or do them wrong. Question, how do we feel when we encounter strangers, especially those who don't speak our language? Are we impatient? Do we think or act as if they should go back where they came from? Are we tempted to take advantage of them? God said we should treat them as we treat our fellow countrymen, to love them as we love ourselves. We should view strangers or newcomers as opportunities to demonstrate the love of our amazing God. Genuine faith will manifest itself in the way we treat others. While some may dishonor strangers or take advantage of outsiders, we the people of God must live differently. The law of love guides us to treat others as we wish to be treated and to extend hospitality to those who look and sound like they are far from home. That, my brothers and sisters, is indiscriminate love. That's greater love done randomly without careful judgment. It was Mother Teresa that said, if we spend our time judging people, we have no time to love them. It encourages me that how that with God's help, we can discover an increased capacity to love as we let go our propensity to judge others. To that end, we must propose to love like God loves. It's not something that can be forced nor faked. It's not something we grab hold of. It's not something that we control our own, but rather something we enter into as we learn to let go and let God. As difficult as that may sound, there has to be something in us that enables us to adhere to John 13 and I quoted it earlier, and here it is again. 
a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. When we embrace the idea of greater love and ethnic unity, we are echoing and living out Jesus' own compassionate working message, giving the world a glimpse of the truth and beauty of the gospel. My brothers and sisters, I know that working together and stepping out of our comfort zone will be challenging, as it was for me. But Jesus never promised easy. In fact, he said, in this life, you will have trial, discomfort, and obstacles. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome. So when there are challenges, when we are tried with this change, where there is still limited unfriendliness, limited receptiveness, if there is minimal communication, where there is continued isolation and little progress being made, the Apostle Paul said this, none of these things move me. Change is challenging. Change is uncomfortable. Change is awkward and sometimes painful. But let me remind you that we have the power to bind and to loose. So we will respond by binding those forces that would keep us separated. And whatever we bind on earth is already bound in heaven. And whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. So we will lose love. And if that's not enough, we'll lose greater love. We will lose joy because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, we will lose patience because they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings of eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's a good place for somebody to say amen. amen. Thank you so much. <laughs> Some of you may be thinking, well, that's easy for you to say. But actually, it really is. Indiscriminate love is not an ideal for me. I've been down this road, and I'm closer to being there than I've ever been. To God be the glory. In the fall of 2003, a movement was birthed. Many of you are familiar with UNITE. It's a collaboration of churches of different denominations, different ethnicities coming together to serve and bless our communities. It was the birth of UNITE that pushed my ministry focus beyond the walls of the church into the communities around us for kingdom impact. The conviction was that no one church could accomplish this. What that meant for me was not only a hard change for the ministry, but a hard change for the different people groups within the churches we partnered with. Being content in my own environment that would challenge me. But as God would have it, Chip and I represented our churches and somehow became the face of Unite. We started with about eight churches and now we have more than 200 churches covering most of Metro Atlanta. This is just the beginning of the journey. I believe that God is pleased with the movement. 
as it has brought churches together with well-established relationships. But the thing that I think that makes God smile is the fact that two of his sons of totally different backgrounds and different ethnic origins became the best of friends. It was this friendship that paved the way for me and my wife to become part of this family of believers called Perimeter Church. But God had something else in mind. This friendship led to a genuine love for my brother. And as greater love evolved, we both found reconciliation that was not on our agenda. Our families love each other and doing life together is our joy. Our lives will never be the same. And you, Perimeter Church, as Gail and I have served and loved you, you have accepted us. You have loved us back. You have shared your struggles, your hurts, your brokenness. We have interceded for you and your children and have fought with you for your marriages. We spent time together socially. We've broken bread together and we've shared family celebrations together. All of this for the well-being and betterment of the body, but again, for the glory of God. People of God, in case you hadn't noticed, the winds of change have begun to blow right here in our church. And as they do, we will continue steadfastly in Christian doctrine and fellowship. As the winds of change begin to blow, we can break bread together and we can pray. As the winds of change begin to blow, signs and wonders will be wrought right here in the midst of this church. As the winds of change begin to blow, we will be together and have all things in common. As the winds of change begin to blow, we will continue with one accord in the church and breaking bread from house to house with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all people. And now that the winds are blowing, I'm confident that the Lord would add to the church such as should be saved. And we will find ourselves right smack dab in the sin of God's will. And it will be there that we will find those things that are near and dear to the heart of God. Those things that will give us joy unspeakable and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Let me close with this. The old patriarchs and matriarchs in the black church coined a phrase that says, I've been on the battlefield for a mighty long time and I'm not tired yet. Life for them was a battlefield. Over the years, I've done much and experienced much in ministry. There were times it felt like a battlefield. There was a time I questioned serving here. It wasn't clear to me what God had in store. What I was supposed to do was not clear, and I wasn't sure that I'd made the right decision. Billy Graham, who recently went home to be with the Lord, said this, and I quote, it's the Holy Spirit's 
job to convict. It's God's job to judge. But it's my job to love. Whoever loves lives in God and God in them. Above all things, saints, love deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Church family, Gail and I want, to, want you to know it's been our joy to love and serve you and doing so, we have found acceptance. We found relationship. We found friendship. We found community. And we found trust. And thanks to you, we found the true meaning of the gospel. Let us pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for this wonderful church. Not a perfect church, but a practicing church. We thank you for the love and commitment of these, your people. I pray that you would enlarge our collective hearts and give us a greater capacity to love even those identified as enemies. Father, we love you and thank you so much for loving us in spite of us. And we look forward to the day that when we no longer have a need to dialogue and preach about greater love and ethnic harmony, but it would identify who we are. This is your servant's prayer. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the church. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church Podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.